This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And this is going to be a very shortish episode, but because we cheated you last week and did not include a story from the farm, we are going to include a story from the farm in this week's episode, and it is another of Taylor's heroic stories from the farm. <laughs> So you remember I was telling you about those two little birds, um, the two little chickens that hatched that came in from mom who, oh, yes. I don't know, she had her hidden nest. And then these are the first ones that have ever like gotten to quasi adulthood. They're teenagers now. So um, I remember when I was telling that story, I was like, and I don't want to talk about it because then I might jinx it and something bad will happen to them. Well, there was a is, near miss. Is that like naming, is that like naming a pet? Yeah. Is that like naming like a goat or something? Yes. All right. Exactly what it is. So there was a near, near miss. So I have like this, um, this big, it's like a, you know, those big massive barrels that they use for hauling liquids. You see they're like big blue barrels or plastic or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one of those that works as a supplemental feeder. So the chickens, they just, they go, free range or whatever, but I put chicken food, chicken pellets in there and they can get it whenever they want. If there's not enough bugs or grass or whatever for them, they, they free feed. And it, it has these little, um, like, uh, PVC pipe angles in it that kind of cover the holes and protect it from the rain. And then they can just stick their heads in and, and eat to their little hearts contents if that's what they want to do. And so, um, I hadn't been out to the feed store for a while and it was getting low on food and I knew it was. And, um, it, 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 that's fine. There, there's food for them to get wherever they just, you know, they're like, Hey, Hey, you know, the, I, I can always tell when it's empty cause they come mob me and they're like, you know, we know we run away from you all the time, but in this one instance, we're just going to surround you like little dinosaurs trying to eat you because Hey, the food barrel's empty. So, uh, I would, had been planning to get it filled that night. So I went out and, um, you know, pulled the lid off and I was getting ready to dump food in it. And I always check because you never know what's in there. And I see this little head and I was like, Oh, come on. <laughs> and so, um, I, I didn't know which one it was at the time, but one of the, the smaller little chickens had crawled up inside to try and get the little crumbs that were left and got stuck. And I don't know how long she'd been in there long enough to poop. <laughs> but so I told you we we're going to talk yep, about poop. Yeah, we got right back um, to it. And, but, you know, it's like a hundred and something degrees out here and she didn't die. She's still alive. And so it took a little finessing because her legs were all stuck up in there. And I had it was like trying to deliver a breech birth baby. But I got her out and she went running off and drank water. So I saved her life. And so there, she's still around, still a happy ending. But I'm like, oh, man, that was such a near miss. And it had to be her of all of them. It had to be her. <laughs> That's my saving the chicken story. Oh, so yeah, you better not name her because uh, she she just sounds like she's living on borrowed time. Yeah, right. <laughs>
All right. So this week's episode is, as I said, it's going to be very short. This is actually something that Taylor and I recorded um, as something extra that we didn't know what to do with. Um, and, and so we're going to use it here so that we can get a little little bit of a podcasting break. Yeah, this is a between the scenes type thing. And um, it was, uh, I, I'm drawing a blank of exactly what show it was following up on, but it, it had, I know it had to do with um, the characters not actually explaining what was going on or, or not, there wasn't enough inner dialogue for a scene where we didn't actually know what the characters' motivations were. And, and Steve had told me, and I believe this shows up in the clip where he was reluctant because to do that because of previous conversations that I've had about um, how readers would get upset of women writers because they they had too much going on. And so we talk about the differences in types of thinking too much. Go Sorry, I'm jumbling my words, but too much inner world stuff going on too too feely or whatever. And he was afraid of falling into that, falling into that. Um, but the thing that I would really like you to keep in mind here is that this was a very off the cuff conversation and I am speaking to Steve personally. I'm, we're not actually recording a show. We just happened to be recording it and uh, decided to use it. And so I'm speaking in wide sweeping generalization terms. I'm not, uh, I, I, I may possibly say things that would be offensive if you're like, well, I'm not like that, or these guys that I know aren't like that, or whatever. That's fine. I'm not saying this is exactly how the world works. I'm speaking in, in generalities um, because we tend to write that way. Uh, we view the world in generalities as it makes it easier to um, to convey things. And, and so that's the way that I'm speaking. So um, I, I'm telling you right now that there's a lot of stuff. There may be stuff in there that uh, it just seems very exaggerated or extreme or whatever. You're not allowed to be mad at me because I was speaking generally, not specifically. And if there's something in there that you're feeling like, eh, that doesn't apply, just understand that I understand that. And I'm just asking for that. This was a private conversation and I'm, it has not been screened for public consumption. So there. All right. So I, I hope you guys enjoy it and we will be back in your ear next Tuesday. See you then. All right. So this is a, we were, we were chatting after we, after we stopped recording and I raised the, the issue that I, I am at times concerned about adding too much inner dialogue because of something that, that Taylor had said um, in a previous episode, and I can't remember when, and I think, I think she's mentioned it more than once. And that's the idea that there are certain people who don't like women writers or who choose not to read women writers because there's too much inner dialogue. And so we started chatting about that, and I realized that uh, you guys might find it interesting. There's two types of this inner dialogue. I think the word Steve really used originally when he was posing his question to me was like they think too much or spend too much time dwelling on their thoughts. And there's there's two versions of that. There's the the emotional side and there's the problem solving side. And when you have too much time spent dwelling on Oh, I wonder how she felt about that. She seemed really angry. Um, I think so and so said some harsh words to her, and you know, 
she she's upset and that's going to affect how she does this thing later tomorrow. Okay, that's emotional introspection. When a character is like, "Ah, oh, man, I I wonder if I did the right thing. I I think maybe I opened my mouth too much and I you know, maybe it's going to get me fired." That's emotional introspective. Women as a general rule, uh just in everyday life, tend to spend a lot more time thinking about emotional consequences, how things feel, whatever. And women writers often make the mistake of imposing that onto their male characters. So it's my opinion, and I could be wrong, and I'm really, I realize I could totally be stepping into quagmire with this. It's my opinion that when men object to women writers, it's usually because they feel the male characters are emasculated by too much emotional thinking. The other kind of thinking is problem-solving thinking. Problem-solving thinking is very masculine in its na- by its very nature. I'm not saying that women don't know how to solve problems, but women generally tend, as a general rule, when it comes to problems with people, tend to approach it emotionally. Men have a tendency to approach it as uh, from a pure logical step-by-step, how do I take care of this, how do I fix it, how do I make it go away Uh Thinking as not to say men are not emotional. It's just different problem-solving techniques. And when men write female characters, they can sometimes have their female characters come across too either too much as men, uh, male in their thinking in the sense that there's not enough emotion to it, or they can over-feminize the characters and make them see the female characters and make them seem really wissy and stereotyped and just not very appealing because in their minds, that's what they think women are doing. So when I was talking about, um, you know, people being put off by characters that spend too much time, you know, dwelling on emotional, uh, emotional aspects, I'm not talking about inner dialogue as a whole. You have to separate the two. Is this inner dialogue coming from a male character talking about his feelings or is it talking about the problem? If he's trying to solve a problem, inner dialogue away. That is not, there's no unappeal to that unless he just starts getting repetitive or the thoughts aren't clear or the logic, trains of logic aren't being laid down in sequential order where readers can really follow them. And those are all craft issues. That is not an issue with um, imposing something unappealing onto the character. Um, Women uh, characters can process exactly the same way when solving problems. It doesn't matter if you have a female character or a male character, if they are trying to solve a problem and it has to do with figuring something out, you do not have to feminize or masculinize or worry about how it's coming across. Where that issue comes into play is when you're dealing with interpersonal relationships and characters and how things make you feel, how things make the characters feel. You go lighter on it and switch into problem-solving mode of how I'm going to fix this and make it go away with a guy, and you go more thoughtful and emotionally connected uh, and how can I make this go away in the least, in the easiest, uh, least drama-causing way possible for a female, unless she is a drama queen, in which case it would flip the other. And in the case of a guy, it would also flip the other. So it's not really about, you know, oh, adding too much di- inner dialogue is is off-putting or it's dangerous. It's when you start falling, falling into um, 
things that aren't natural to the character, who that character is in the world. If you have a very um, neutral gender or even masculine-facing female character like Monroe, uh, you kind of tend to avoid the squishy-gushy emotion side of it because that is irrelevant to her unless she can manipulate it or use it. doesn't mean she doesn't feel. It just means that when she's problem-solving, how she feels about it is less than what information she's pulling in. So in terms of character, that's a whole separate subject to just problem-solving through inner dialogue. I'm glad we've recorded this. (laughs) 